0: Good to be with you in person and by the technological marvel of Zoom. We appreciate those who make the um, Zoom possible for us. Luke, you lead the charge, and so we, uh, we give you special thanks for that. We are continuing in our study of Matthew chapter 10. So please turn to Matthew chapter 10. If you recall, last week, Jesus was instructing his disciples as he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. And uh, he sent them out to the surrounding towns and villages to, uh, to make this proclamation wouldn't you like to have been with the 12? Remember uh, that the Lord had been ministering for only a year or two at this point. And so the disciples who'd been with him the longest had been with him for only a year or two. So they were hanging on his instruction. They were, they were fully attentive to his word as, um, as new disciples. The Lord Jesus' mission was clear. He gave the mandate to his disciples in chapter 10 and verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So Jesus sent them out. He said, Go, and as you go, preach. The message was simple Messiah has come. Messiah is here on earth. He is drawing Jews to Himself. Won't you come and join him? We might expect that with the miracles that Jesus did, and um, now with the miracles that the, uh, his sent ones were about to do, that there would have been a, uh, a great ingathering, that The crowds would flock to the Lord for his, um, his salvation. But with the same authoritative voice, that Jesus preached, his Sermon on the Mount, he now warns his disciples of resistance to his message. There would be persecution and threats and hatred and even death. So uh, we, we find that um, Jesus' teaching is still uh, radical. It's revolutionary, and he, um, he astonishes his hearers with the authority with which he speaks that hasn't let up since the Sermon on the Mount. So let's read Matthew 10, starting at verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they, when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver up brother to death and a father his child and children will, raise up, will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another, for assuredly I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. We'll organize our study this morning under three headings. The first, how the sent ones were to behave before the opponents of the king's message, that is how they were to speak to them. Second, the sent ones' need for endurance or perseverance. Third, what or who the sent ones should focus on in their ministering. And then, as we have time, we will make application. Let's pray. Again, Lord, your word is very precious to us. We realize that your teaching is radical to our hearts. It uh, presents us with, um, with astonishing things uh, because of um, uh, our, our difference between who we are and who you are. We pray that we might conform more to you and that we might have rich application to these words in uh, in the week ahead. We ask, Lord Jesus, amen. So, first, how are we, or how are Jesus' sent ones to speak to opponents of the king's message? First of all, let's let's explore these uh, first words in verse 16. Behold, I send you out. Who sends the disciples out? Is it the lead disciple? Is it the consensus of the 12? No, it's the Lord Jesus, it's Jehovah who sends. It has always been so. It's an interesting study in the, uh, in the Old Testament to look at Jehovah sending out his messengers and uh, we read in Jeremiah 7 particularly uh, how, uh, how important this is. Uh, Jeremiah writes um, the word of the Lord. And now because you have done all these works, says the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear, and I called you, but you did not answer, the Lord was going to, um, to judge, was going to punish the nation. Uh, he, the Lord Jehovah, spoke, rising up early and speaking. In that same chapter, in verse 25, Jeremiah 7:25, he tells the nation, Since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day, that was a span of 800 years, I have even sent to you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Who sent the prophets? Jehovah sent the prophets. What did they say? They told them Jehovah's words. He, he said in, uh, in, in um, Jeremiah 7.13, I speak the words. And in Jeremiah 7.25, I sent my messengers to speak. Note the authority with which these Old Testament sent ones spoke. God spoke. God, God's prophets spoke. Conversely, uh, those whom Jehovah does not send are not prophets. They're not true prophets. Again, the same uh, prophet uh, Jeremiah twenty three thirty two, Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them, and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them or command them. Therefore they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. So here is a group of um, wannabe uh, prophets. They think they know, um, uh, they know God. They know God's word and they, they go forth. God says, I didn't send them. I did not send them. Uh, They are not my prophets, and uh, they do not carry my word, and they will not profit my people at all. It is God's rightful place to send who, and where, and when, and how, and why he wishes. That's his prerogative. So, when we read of the Lord Jesus sending out messengers with his message, we see yet another expression of uh, Jesus' deity, that he is God the Son. Well, he said, he says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. What are the characteristics of wolves? Well, their teeth. They're not showing them in this slide, but um, uh, actually these look fairly tame. I'm uh, not tame, but... Um, fairly calm, but I wouldn't want to venture uh, into this field uh, alone and uh, be surprised by this pack. It's the, um, it's the teeth. It's their ferocity. Uh, they, they form packs and they, they attack. What's the, um, what's the characteristic of sheep? They're defenseless, they're helpless, they, they need Um, They need a defender. So a shepherd would be grossly irresponsible to turn his sheep loose among a pack of hungry wolves. And yet um, the Lord Jesus says that he is sending them out as sheep in the midst of wolves. We don't have a slide for that one, thankfully. To borrow from Noad's illustration last week, uh, slide, a military commander would be criminally negligent to send unarmed soldiers out into the field of battle. Imagine with um, bayonets fixed and um, uh, rifles uh, firing, cannons firing, that a commander would send his troops out into, uh, into the field unarmed to face this foe. And yet um, we, we read Jesus sending uh, sheep out in the midst of wolves. Who is allowed to send his children into danger? Who's allowed to do this, to send his sheep to, uh, uh, to the, into the midst of wolves, even to death? Well, he who is God, the Lord Most High, uh, we... Um, We saw in our worship meeting this morning, the sovereign of the universe, he is allowed to send his sheep into the midst of wolves. He's allowed to send his soldiers into battle unarmed. He, uh, who is creator of his subjects, and therefore he claims them as his own. He owns his sent ones. He owns his disciples. And then... uh, He who is redeemer, he who uh, endured unspeakable horror to to fetch his uh, his loved ones out of the fires of judgment. He is allowed to to send his sheep forward. The Lord made abundant physical provision for his sent ones. We um, we look back at uh, verses nine through ten and we see him telling them provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts nor bag for your journey nor two tunics nor sandals nor staffs for a worker is worthy of his food. Um, so he provided, um, he provided for his workers. How Peter's wife may have shaken her head as she looked on the table and realized there's my husband's copper coins in, uh, in his money bag how the Lord will provide for my husband during these days or weeks he's going to be gone. Yet he's able to do that. He's able to do that. And so uh, if the Lord is able to provide the physical needs of his uh, sent ones, it's not hard to imagine him providing the protection for them as well. Um, Safety from untimely death. It's a small thing for the Lord to protect his workers. And he is, um, he is more than able. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. Jesus spoke of uh, his protection in John sixteen thirty three. He said, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. No one sends like the Lord Jesus. He pays for what He orders. He provides for those He sends out. Illustration. um, Here I might uh, hire a private security guard for... um, in an armored vehicle to take me to the grocery store for a loaf of bread. There's, uh, even with this protection, there's no guarantee. There's not a 100% guarantee that I'm going to make it to the store and make it back again. But there is no safer place on earth than in the center of God's will. There is a 100% assurance of His protection. No uh, security... Uh, vehicle, no security guard required. He is the security. He is the safety. He is the shield. Therefore, Jesus said, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. The snake we know as a symbol of evil, but here Jesus offers it as a symbol of prudence and caution. As the Lord's followers we tend to lose our street sense that is uh, worldly wisdom we're only too glad to to get rid of that Um, we become naive to current trends and problems and difficulties and so the the Lord requires caution in at least a couple of areas. First uh, things I say in um, in my speech and in, in trying to explain uh, truths, spiritual truths to people, there are times that what I say can be inflammatory. They can be um, uh, provocative. They um, uh, they can be harsh and insensitive. And so I need to be uh, cautious, like a serpent, in the things that I say. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel. But be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Um, it's not only the things that I say, but the things that I do uh, that require caution. I, I shouldn't take unnecessary risks in seeking to reach my uh, lost friends and family and coworkers for the Lord, I shouldn't tempt the Lord with unreasonable or foolish stunts. Be careful little feet where you go. So that's a serpent. The dove is um, simpler for us to understand as a symbol of innocence. And certainly the Lord's sent ones must be free of malice, and deceit and gossip. But uh, that's not all. This, um, this word um, harmless includes the sense of single-mindedness. Uh, the um, dictionary writer uh, W.E. Vine says that uh, um, we're to have a single eye discerning what is evil and choosing only what glorifies God. So we're to be cautious, but we're to also be uh, thinking Godwardly, thinking of uh, God's glory in the the choices that we make. And that's how we are to go out. Uh, Jesus said in verse 17, but beware of men. The um, traditional sense of Men includes women. It's like saying, uh, beware of humankind or beware of humanity. We're losing that rapidly in our society. But um, uh, Jesus might well have said, beware of men and women. It's not really wolves that Jesus warns against, but men and women who act like wolves. They savagely attack the Lord and His word and His messengers. In, um, uh, in verse 17, he says, they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. Here, the Lord Jesus is warning of oppression by religious authorities. Imagine um, religious authorities um, scourging uh, a messenger of Jehovah. And yet... Um, They have their hour and the power of darkness. The Lord Jesus said in verse 18, You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. So uh, in verse 17, we had uh, oppression by religious uh, organizations. And verse 18, we have oppression by secular organizations. Uh, righteous rule can be bad for business. We, um, we saw that when Jesus healed the demoniac and he, he uh, told the, uh, the legion of demons to leave the demoniac and uh, they asked to go to the swine, to the pigs and uh, Jesus allowed it and the pigs ran down the cliff and, uh, and were killed and so the, um, uh, the townspeople said, this is bad. I mean, we just lost a herd of our pigs. Um, so Jesus leave, and he left. We also see um, this kind of secular persecution when in Acts 16, Paul delivered the slave girl from the spirit of divination, And her masters realized that their source of income had just uh, vanished. And so they arrested uh, Paul and uh, and put him in jail. Secular persecution, Jesus warns against. Uh, He says in verse 19, uh, but when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. The Lord will give you in that hour both the how and what, that is the, um, the manner and the content that we uh, or his sent one should speak. We saw already how the Lord promised his provision Uh, to his sent ones for food and shelter, and we understand his um, spiritual and physical protection as well. And here, he promises uh, verbal defense against his adversaries. He will provide uh, what you should speak. He told his um, sent ones in uh, Luke 21 He said, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on how you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Here's another expression of the Lord Jesus deity that um, he is with his sent ones. We uh, We just read about him providing uh, an answer to uh, to these that the adversaries will not be able to resist, and so uh, imagine his um, sent ones uh, around uh, Jerusalem and surrounding towns. Um, he is able to to give them answer, and so we see his uh, omnipresence in that, and he is able to supply the um, the missing answers that they need. Here in verse 20, we read that it's the spirit of your father who speaks in you. And it's really marvelous that the same Holy Spirit who uh, authored the words of our scripture is the one who will uh, speak in the sent ones in their persecution. That's awesome that, uh, that uh, we have that same uh, that capability. But with the Holy Spirit's um, provision, there are two extremes to avoid. The first extreme is um, that um, hey, I don't need to prepare messages anymore. I just walk up and in my trial, the Holy Spirit's going to speak.) <laughs> uh... didn't work this morning and uh... i don't think it's worked for you brothers who prepared um, yeah we need to prepare for for ministry for message that's one extreme the other extreme is um, the holy Spirit's help is not relevant anymore because we have his completed word we have the the canon of scripture whole and so uh... we don't need the holy spirit well that's uh... that's wrong uh, That's wrong. We should pray uh, for the Holy Spirit's uh, enabling His equipping when we uh, are called to to give a word. And um, uh, wonderfully, we can depend on Him as well if if and when we find ourselves in extremity in the... um, uh, as targets of persecution that uh, we can cry out to him and he will, uh, he will speak in us. Well, uh, we've talked about religious persecution. We've talked about secular persecution. What are some examples? What, um, let's put some, uh, some tires on this uh, automobile and, and make it run. Um, Peter and John in Acts uh, chapter 3, if you'd turn with me, to um, Acts chapter 3 we'd like to um, to see these uh, concepts in action so in Acts chapter 3 beginning in um, uh, verse 1 Peter and John had gone up to the temple and there was a certain man who was lame and uh, so they Peter and John saw this man looking at them, expecting to receive something. And in verse 6, Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he Leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. So um, there, was, uh, there was wonder. There was, uh, there was amazement as, um, uh, as the lame man walked and as the people saw it. They, they, uh, they were witnesses of, of what happened. And uh, there seemed to be some confusion about uh, what happened and why. And so in the verses that follow, uh, Peter preaches. And uh, in verse 12, middle of verse 12, he says, Why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we'd made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. So on the the spur of the moment... You're called on to, uh, to explain things, to preach, and uh, here Peter rises to the occasion and he gives glory to God in, um, in the healing of this man. So uh, what is the response? The, um, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly dis- disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Oh, well, that's too bad because uh, Messiah had come and uh, Messiah had uh, empowered his, uh, his sent ones to preach and they preached and here's the response that they get. Verse 3, and they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day for it was al- it was already evening. It came to pass, verse 5, on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? That is the, uh, the healing of the lame man. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, "Rulers of um, the people and elders of Israel, and um, Peter gives defense uh, again, uh, possibly unrehearsed, but um, but in the power of the Holy Spirit." Um, in verse eight, so um, Peter gives his defense. And um, the the council gives their warning in verse 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. In verse 21, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. There we have uh, Peter and John being delivered up to, um, to the synagogue, to the um, uh, to the councils. Note in these verses, um, rather note in the in the Lord's um, instructing his disciples in Matthew 10 uh, that the qualification was missing for formal education. He um, the Lord Jesus did not require especially religious uh, education from any uh, formal religious certified organization. And it, it's so interesting to hear the Sanhedrin's observation on this in uh, Acts four thirteen, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. So um, how they recognized Peter and John as being uneducated, I'm not sure. Was it their speech? Um, um, Was it uh, the language that they used? Um, But uh, missing was that as a qualification from being Jesus sent one. And instead, the qualification that they observe and they describe is that they had been with Jesus that year or two. uh, Actually, by this point, um, they'd they'd spent uh, their years of the Lord's ministry with him. And that was their qualification for um, for ministering. Well, the story doesn't end. Um, In Acts chapter 5. His uh, sent ones were uh, again preaching. And um, in uh, verse 14, Acts 5:14, the believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Well, there's a, there's a hopeful sign. That there is a positive response, at least here, to the message. So the high priest arrests them again. And... Um, in verse 28, Acts 5, um, he said, um, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. And so the apostles, the, um, the sent ones, offer their defense in um, uh, verse 29. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to them. That obey him. So they do. They offer testimony to, um, to the councils, to the Sanhedrin. The, um, the Sanhedrin is, um, is not content uh, with this. And so in verse 40, they called for the apostles and beat them and uh, warned them not to speak. Uh, in the name of Jesus, again. And in verse 40, 42, <clears throat> daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. <clears throat> so imagine uh, you'd probably take a few days off after a sound beating. Um, they um, uh, they weren't gentle in their treatment of Jesus um, supposed wrongdoers, and yet uh, here we find uh, Peter, uh, Peter and John back in the temple daily and in every house, not ceasing to preach Christ. That is uh, a prime example of um, being brought before councils um, for Jesus' sake. Uh, for secular oppression, We offer the example of uh, Paul in Acts 24 through 26. Please read that. Um, uh, Paul was brought before the governor, Felix. He was brought then before the king, Agrippa, um, for the cause of Christ. In each of these examples, we have sent ones thrown into the midst of wolf-like people, savage, ruthless and each being as cautious as serpents and as innocent as Godward thinking as doves. Good examples. And each relying on the Holy Spirit for what he would say. Well, um, our, uh, our next section is uh, starting at verse 21, how the sent ones have... Need of endurance. And we read in verse 21 of uh, family uh, resistance, family opposition. Brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child, and children will ri- rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. The worst treachery, brutality, betrayal seems to come from our own families. Cain's have been killing brother Abel's from the beginning of recorded human history. Why? Because Abel's sacrifice was accepted and God did not respect Cain's self-effort. We noted uh, back in verse 16, that the Lord Jesus alone has the right to send his workers into deadly environments. He alone takes responsibility. He alone has the prerogative to send. Now, from the perspective of a follower, I offer a quote slightly modified, a quote by Martin Luther King Jr. If he said, and he said, if you haven't found something worth dying for, you have nothing worth living for. To which we'd like to modify that slightly, and the sent one of Jesus may say, if you haven't found a Savior worth dying for, you don't have anyone worth living for. Jesus told the believers of the church of Smyrna, He said, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of of life. Jesus' request may sound audacious until we remember that he first gave his life for the saints at Smyrna. He's he's, uh, fully um, capable, uh, allowed to to make this request because he first gave his life. So there's... um, There's a religious persecution, there's secular, there's family persecution. And in verse 22, the Lord introduces a um, a general persecution. He says, you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. All meaning all cultures, nationalities, classes of men, not necessarily all individuals. Hatred. What is hatred? Uh, Malicious and unjustifiable feeling toward another. Years ago, I worked with, um, uh, as a group of three uh, people, pretty tight, close-knit group. And uh, we, we made a lot of progress and um, uh, did a lot of work. But at some point in uh, those years, I said something or I did something that offended one of the coworkers. And um, from then on, she had difficulty talking to me. Uh, she avoided me, and even <clears throat> as she came in the office in the morning, she'd look the other way to keep from uh, uh, from my greeting. So for weeks, I, I asked the Lord, I said, give me opportunity to talk with my coworker because I, I really care for this. This is uh, kind of a shameful, uh, shameful thing. So... The Lord granted opportunity, I was able to talk with her and I said, listen, um, we've worked together well for years and it's just in the last uh, weeks that um, you've been avoiding me and it's been very difficult for you to, uh, to speak. Um, what is it that I've done? And um, she said nothing. And I, I said, um, if... I ha- if I do anything that offends you, would you tell me? And she said, oh, sure. Um, and uh, she, left, she left the group, she left the workplace in, uh, in, um, for a better offer, but uh, I just think, um, I experienced hatred, ostracism, uh, people trying to exclude me from, uh, from other activities And so, um, I know hatred. I know what uh, that feels like, it's painful. Now, did I experience um, hatred for Jesus' sake, for his name's sake? I can't say that, but um, uh, that's what Jesus says, you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. Uh, My name's sake meaning uh, because of me, on account of me. It's not for trouble in general. And it's not because of my own failings or uh, offensiveness. Peter wrote later in 1 Peter 2, he said, This is commendable if, because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if, when you're beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, uh, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. If I'm punished for my mistakes, there's nothing um, remarkable in that. Uh, If I lose my job for incompetence or for mishandling funds, uh, this isn't persecution. That's not uh, Christian persecution. That's just my fault. Um, Persecution is when I'm punished for dealing righteously on account of Jesus, and then God is honored. He who endures... Uh, grief, he, um, I'm sorry, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Uh, by itself, it sounds like salvation is by works, by endurance, but from other verses we know that salvation is a free gift and um, uh, by grace alone, through faith alone. So this endurance. And perseverance is really a quality of saving faith. If I have saving faith, it will endure. Practically speaking, the sent one needs strength. He needs endurance to make it through the intensity of persecution. God gives grace, martyr grace for martyr days. And then in verse 23, He says, uh, when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. The Lord Jesus is shifting his focus here. And he uh, says things that are uniquely Jewish. He refers to the cities of Israel. He says, um, uh, referring to the Son of Man when he comes. And so his instruction in verses 16 through 20 are focused on this uh, little group of uh, 12 disciples that he's got here. But now he, um, his uh, instructions become more prophetic of the tribulation. He's talking about um, fleeing to towns of Israel and um, until the, uh, the Son of Man comes. And uh, this is, uh, we'll read later in Matthew, in fact, this is uh, typical of the tribulation, of the... Um, the heartaches that um, people will endure during those seven years of suffering. In many scriptures, God's word can have an immediate impact, immediate uh, significance, and then it can have a more distant uh, completion or fulfillment. And that is the case here. We see examples of um, sent ones fleeing to different cities, uh, again, thinking about the, uh, about pa- uh, Paul and how he fled Iconium to Lystra, and then uh, in verse uh, in Acts 14, and then from Lystra to Derby, and the Lord Himself withdrew from the Pharisees to avoid untimely death at their hands. There's nothing shameful about fleeing danger. There's nothing noble about dying needlessly. And then in verse uh, 24, to whom must the sent ones ever look? The Lord said, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. The disciples should not expect better treatment than his teacher got. And the, Lord, the world gave the Lord Jesus a mock trial, a crown of thorns, a cruel cross. Why? Do we expect better? Lord Jesus, you are the one who uh, are the reason why we're hated. The world hates you because you testify that its works are evil. Your moral excellence is the standard by which the world's inhabitants are judged. Yet, in the final analysis, the world hates you without legitimate cause. The world hates us because we belong to you and you chose us out of the world. What an honor, Lord Jesus, to bear your reproach. The world hates Jesus. Do you love Jesus? A person may answer and say, uh, I don't love Jesus, but I don't hate him either. When he speaks, I don't listen. Where he leads, I don't go. When he invites, I decline. What he offers, I reject. I don't hate Jesus, but I don't love him. What would you say about this person? You'd say, well, he really does hate Jesus. We must either love the Lord Jesus or hate him. There's no There's no common ground. There's no neutral ground. Jesus said himself back in uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount, he said, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Um, In the next uh, couple of chapters, he will say in Matthew, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. You're either in the camp or you're out. You're not uh, in between. The hymn writer wrote, What will you do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, What will he do with me? In verse 25, It's enough for a disciple to be like his teacher. We should imitate the Lord Jesus. Um, Peter, again writing in his uh, first epistle, chapter two, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously. He is our example. Let us uh, go outside the camp to him. They call him uh, Beelzebub. That was um, that was a name uh, that the Jews took from uh, Ekronite God. Uh, and they um, ascribed it to Jesus, there was nothing worse they could think of, and so they attributed the Lord Jesus' work to the devil. How much more will they insult those of the master's household? Jesus said, do not fear them, in verse 26. Fear brings a snare or a trap and causes his sent one to compromise his message. In 2 Timothy, Paul wrote, All who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. And then uh, finally at the uh, end of verse 26, there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. The Lord may be referring to his gospel um, or he may have been referring to the hearts and motives of his adversaries. In in either case, uh, in the coming day, all will be revealed. God is not deceived. He's not fooled. He's not mocked. Um, But um, there's uh, no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give account. Just to wrap up, just to summarize, um, is there persecution? Um, Well, first of all, Does Jesus send out messengers today? Yes, He does. He says in uh, Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How do we know that this applies to us? Because Jesus said, I will be with you to the end of the age, and that's that includes you and me. Is there persecution today? Arrests, hatred, killing? There shouldn't be, according to the U.S. Constitution. Um, the First Amendment states, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or permitting, prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Um, so the law guarantees freedom of religion Jesus guarantees restriction and um, persecution. Which one will you give your weight to? We'll close in prayer and then uh, I'll leave it to you, song leader, if you'd like to uh, sing our closing hymn. Let's pray. Lord, you give us a message. You give us your presence. Uh, May we be loyal. May we be true. May we be faithful to you, we ask in your name. Amen.